Oi, you lot, you're listening to Garage Hammer, episode 223. On tonight's episode, the smart manling is back, and now they're going to dive into the war cry, and not just talk about how cool it is like he did with the Braska character last episode. You know, because now there's someone here who knows stuff and can actually talk in some depth, because... Got to have some sort of quality in the show, I suppose. Otherwise, why listen? I, shut it! I'm listening to me show. Welcome to the Garage You Tools. For the next two and a half hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you campaigns, the best narrative experience, period, in gaming. And let me hear your war cry. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm an iron coal. Sounds right. Checks yep. out. Sure. I want to be the short chaos dwarf coal guy. Also checks. <laughs> the Armagar? Is yep. that his name? <laughs> you expect me to know? I don't know the name of the guys in the army that I played for the last three years. No, you knew their names. It was the guy with the stick. <laughs> right. Banner the, guy. The pigeons. Banner guy. Uh, then what is the other? The, the Lodordinator. Lodordinator, Sir Toots. <laughs> Sir T- <laughs> I know them by their nicknames. Yeah, that's fine. It's still a name. There you go. Oh, how's it going, brother? It's going good. It's glad, going real good. Glad you're back. How was vacation? Uh, vacation can be exhausting when you have a little one, can't it? It wasn't her. Oh, actually, it was because she didn't sleep a single night through ah. uh, the entire trip. And like the first night we drove from Rockford to Omaha and she woke up like five times that night. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was not. She did OK for most of the drives, but she just would not sleep through the night. And My, my bit of advice to all parents with younger children, children that need a car seat at any level uh, if the baby's asleep, that's fine. But as soon as she wakes up, find a rest stop, pull over, and let her run around a bit. Even the little baby form. Just get her outside. Get him moving. Get him out of that seat every couple hours. A, it'll keep them worn out for at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. B, it keeps them from driving you insane in the car. I would drive to uh, Louisiana with my father-in-law and take the kids with me to go visit family. And we would pull over like every 90 minutes to two hours. Just, hey, let's get out, stretch our legs, use the bathroom, have a half a sandwich, just let them run about. It's like we're on vacation. I don't have to be there that quick. Right. And, it, and that's what we did. We stopped every two and a half to three hours. Yeah. That'll, yeah, that's, that's, you have to do it. It's crazy if you don't. Uh, so, um, hey, let's jump into this. And uh, we should probably say thank you to the sponsors real quick. Yeah, of course. So, as always, you need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Six Squared Studios. For all your basing needs. And Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Not that Lindsay. And not that Wakanda. Uh, and let's also take a moment to thank all of our wonderful, wonderful Patreon sponsors. Uh, those people who have decided this show is actually worth their money and they want to pitch in and help make sure that this show keeps doing all the things it's doing. Thanks to our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and AJC. AJC. 
and our newest patron, Yuri Sinchinava. And I hope I pronounced the last name correctly. Thank you all for becoming part of the 1% that make this show and everything that we do possible. Um, and also, if you'd like to, um, you can always call the show and leave your thoughts on this episode, a previous episode, or something odd that we may have said in our voicemail. Alex, voicemail! When was the last time we played a voicemail? It was a few episodes ago, but now only things that are coming in are contest entries, and therefore, um, we're not playing them until we get to that episode. Ah. I don't want to play them during the show. You know what I'm saying? Like we're gonna we're no, picking up no. and playing them then. So, but if you want to call and leave a voicemail, either for the contest entry, which we'll mention in a few moments, or just to call and say what you think of the show, you can call one seven five seven GH show six. That's one seven five seven GH show six. Call that number and leave us a voicemail. I love voicemails. I really do. And even if we don't play them on the show, or that sometimes things happen because I'm kind of a putz. Um, I still I, I listen to every last one of them. Sometimes more than once. I do appreciate them. I really do. Um, what else? Uh, oh, now the Six Squared Studio contest is still happening. And um, for those of you who don't know what that is, who haven't heard the last couple of episodes, um, if you want to uh, send in. Uh, an email or a voicemail and just the guys at six squared, they're celebrating their fifth anniversary and they wanted to have a contest. And so they said, listen, um, write in, you know, you get a lot of negativity on the internet, especially on social media. I don't know if you realize this, Alex, but there's a lot of negativity floating around on the internets. No. Yeah. And so they just wanted you to send in anything about, why you join the hobby, what you love about the hobby, what keeps you in the hobby, something positive. Okay. That's, that's the whole criterion. We're all, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to compile them all together. You still got a couple days. You got till the end of the month, end of August to get them in. Um, I will compile all the emails and all the voicemails. I will share them with uh, you, Alex, and with the guys from Six Squared. We'll each pick out a couple of our favorites. And now, next episode, I think we're doing Skaven, L- War and Lore. I don't yeah. think we'll have time for to talk no. contest winners then. So we will announce the winners at the end of the September, at the end of September episode. Um, and then the winner's going to get a hundred dollar gift card to Six Squared Studios. That is a lot. That is a lot because you can get a lot of stuff with that. And, I mean, they've got all sorts of bases, all sorts of people. And, you know, they do custom stuff, too. And that's kind of the cool thing with this. Like, you can always call them and be like, hey, how much would it cost to do this? Um, You know, Heather does her uh, cosplay stuff, her Rebel Legion stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when they get together at some of these the big conventions, they'll go around and they'll they'll have things to give out to other people other people who are in the legion or other cosplayers um and they made these little they're about the size of a like a keychain tag you know like a uh. and they're the autowood and it's burning it says it's got the star wars thing and it's got stuff for their for the legion and it's got a, a little bb8 that he made sort of looking looking thing in the background and it has a little hole in it and we heather you know we got like a hundred of them because uh, they can literally do. If you have something you want them to do, you know, hey, even if you just want them to put your custom your your group's logo on something, like they do all sorts, they do uh, 
custom, you know, they could do uh, objective markers with, uh, with the, they do my objective markers with the Garage Hammer logos on them, the ones I use when I'm always out. That's, mm-hmm. that, that, that's who I got them from. They can do just about anything. And $100 goes a long way at that store. So get your contrast entries in. Uh, I think we got about a dozen so far. So at this point, your odds are like 1 in 12 or just a little less than that of winning a $100 gift card to, the, to, to Six Squared. So do it. Just do it. That's what do I have to say. Do it now. Do it now. Get to the computer. Send a mail or an email or voicemail. Wow. That was terrible. That was. Oh, and you know what? Also, hey, look, um, I've been che- I was bored one day and I was checking iTunes reviews and people have been putting up new iTunes reviews and thank you because we used to have a bajillion and then the show went off the air uh, off of iTunes for like a week and then when we got it reinstated, all that stuff was deleted. So we lost a lot of that and people have been putting new ones up and thank you to those people um, who, are, who are doing that. I really do appreciate it. It, it makes me feel good. Um, yeah, it's just awesome. So thank you for that too. Uh, one last announcement and then we're going to jump into the toolbox. We're going to just jump into the toolbox, not even go to a commercial break. How do you like that? I like it. Uh, I promised to do this like an episode ago and totally, I, when I sent the notes to Braska and then I realized I had to add this and then I added it on the computer, but I had already printed it out and I, I'm a dumb, dumb head. So... Folks, a registration is open for 2019 Du Bois GT and Gaming Weekend. It's November 8th through the 10th in Rochester, New York. This is the 14th Du Bois event. Um, they're going to have multiple game systems and formats. They're hosting multiple events for 40K, AOS, Blood Bowl, Underworlds, Blood and Plunder, and even Kings of War. I guess that third edition coming out, you know, some people are still playing it, so they got it. And if you love it, it's there. Uh, new for 2019, Age of Sigmar's Doubles Tournament on Friday, November 8th. So uh, if you're interested, if you want to register, if you want any information, go to DuBoisGT.com. That's D-A-B-O-Y-Z-G-T.com. So... I did promise them, and if you've got a big tournament or something coming up and you would like us to tell people about it, uh, hey, I'm all about it. Send us the info. We'll get it on the air because we want people to know about the events that are coming up. So, um, Blibbity Blabbittle, uh, I think that's about it for all the intros and all the stuff. Should we get to the toolbox? We probably should. All right, folks, time for the Toolbox, brought to you by Chaos Org Superstar. 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 All right, um, Hobby, Alex, you got any hobby? Yes. Let's hear it. Um, So since last episode that I was on, I've painted 15 Boingrop Bounders. uh, Thank you, Contrast. And I painted a Mangler Squig in a day and a half. Wow. Yep. Um, I've also been building like a madman. Um, I've had a lot of whole time at work, so working from home, I get to sit and put models together. So I've been putting a lot of models together, and I actually uh, got my Stormcast traded off. So I have a lot of extra new miniatures to put together. A lot of extra new miniatures to put together. So I've been busy. Really, really busy. (laughs) 
I really thought that I would be like, you know, wanting to slow down and not have so much and nope, that didn't happen. And then Warcry and I'm all in on Warcry. I've got all the cards, I've got almost all the crews. I'm so, so pissed. I didn't I bought seven of the nine. I didn't buy the two elf ones. The daughters and the Deepkin. Yeah, and then I went over to Lindsay's to pick them up, and they're completely sold out of them. And I'm like, God bless America. And then I went over to go to to, to the Gift of Games, which is where Harrison was working. Mm-hmm. They don't have them. They're out of them. I'm like, son of a... So now i got to get those cards. Okay. That's yeah. just me just complaining. Well, if you don't have those models, you're okay right now. Yeah, I just, you know, it's like I realized when we were going to review the damn thing that I should probably at least know what their special abilities are. Yeah. So that's just but, me being a ding-dong, bing-bong, string-strong, so. Yeah, but no, mostly what I've been doing is just been assembly and painting gits as I go, uh, just trying to knock through all of these models that I have to paint, so. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm just summarizing it because there's a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Any event. So how about you? What have you been working on? Um, nothing. Literally nothing for a week. I haven't, I, I, I keep coming down here and I set things up and I set up the brush. I, uh, I can sum up everything. In fact, here's my entire toolbox. I took Harrison to college on Wednesday. And so I haven't, I'm like getting him ready the two days before and hanging out with him and stuff. Like Christopher was over. We were playing whatever games Harrison wanted to play. We, we did play non, non GW stuff. Um, and then we took him to school on Wednesday and came home. And then Thursday, uh, I started back to school, like teaching. So, um, I was kind of exhausted and didn't, uh, I didn't uh, do anything. Um, I gotta say, it's really weird. Uh, if I if I may take a minute here, um, I probably shouldn't because who really cares about what this? But you know, I took Harrison uh, to school, and I'm so happy for him. You know, like dropped him off, and you know there were some tears with him and his mom when when we were leaving. But uh, you know, I, I came down here, and I haven't really been down in the crypt since Wednesday night, and. Uh, you know, he's not here, and, like, half of the basement is his bedroom. And uh, I usually come down here, and he's like, oh, you're recording? I'm like, yeah, and he's like, I'll turn down the computer. And he's just, he's not here, and it's it's the weirdest mm-hmm. thing. It's, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I talked to him. I've, I've talked to him, I think, almost every day since he left. He's only been gone, like, four or five days. But, uh... You know, it's I'm sitting down here tonight, getting ready for the show, waiting. You know, I'm down here, and he's not. And, you know, you start to think, he's not really coming back. Like, he'll be home for break, and he'll be home in the summer. And I know he's going to be going to graduate school. And his mom already told him, like, after graduate school, if he gets a job around here, he can totally, like, live with us and pay off his student loans if he's not, like, you know, if he doesn't need to get his own place and stuff like that, and he'll be here, but he's like, he's an adult now. Like he's gone. And, uh, I was thinking about that as I was getting ready, you know, like I remember when we did the hundred episode anniversary episode, uh, like we played clips 
of all the times Harrison, you know, when he was on. I mean, th- he did this with us, you know, a bunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think back, and it's like, you know, especially those of you who got younger, God, spend every second you can with them. Because now he's left for college, and I know when he comes home, we'll hang out because he likes to game with me and my friends who game. But it's like, I'm going to be vying for time against his girlfriend and his friends who he hasn't seen in months. And this is, I'm, it's hard. It is. It's like, he's my, he's my firstborn kid. He's my only son. And now he's like off doing his thing. Uh, I have no more time. You know, and you never think you're going to run out when they're pooping in their pants and then they've got a problem and then they're telling you at the last minute that you have to help them put together a science project and all these things. And uh, and then suddenly it's like <laughs> you drop them off at school. And it's like I'll see you in a couple months. And uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I should not sidetrack the show this way, but that's... That's literally that's I have I've done nothing else because of that I and so I I have nothing to contribute here I just wanted everyone to know why and uh, I don't know I, I you're going through a huge adjustment period and you're trying to do the normal routine but your routine is now permanently interrupted so it takes time this is an adjustment because now you don't have that same routine anymore yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's part of it. I mean, I mean, I would talk with him every night. Like, I don't even like being down here right now. Like, not right now, right now, because I'm recording and I'm not thinking. Well, I am. You know what I mean? Like, I'm occupied. But like, I came down here to paint on uh, on on Saturday, and uh, after like ten minutes, I grabbed all my stuff and took it upstairs, and just sat up there and painted. Like and I, this is weird. Everyone's like, "Why are you painting up here?" I'm like, "Oh, no reason." And it was, I just don't want to be sitting down here because that's what happened. I was down here a half hour before the show was supposed to record, and I'm setting everything up, and I just got into like, oh, I was overwhelmed, and that's why mm-hmm. I'm talking about this now because it's 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 in my head, and if I don't talk about it, I'm You're gonna I'm, explode. I'm not, I'm not well. No, I just I won't be able to focus on what we're doing. Like I need right. to get this out of my out of my system now, so that I can focus on the show and not talk about this anymore. So, I apologize, folks. We're way way the hell off topic, but that's my whole toolbox. Um, and uh, yeah, that's <sighs> all right. I'm literally done. Okay, totally done. The rest is up to you. Gaming, other, let hear whatever you've done before we jump into the war cry. Okay. Uh, so we'll touch on most of my gaming when we get to Warcry. Um, but I played in a tournament run by Sean Hook up at Noble Knight Games in Madison. Uh, 14 players showed up. Uh, it was a really good event. Um, would happily go again. Uh, went 2-1 and one with a Deepkin. Um, I lost to uh, Brendan Melnick's Morgant uh, uh, Flesh Eater Quartz. Um, I definitely played it wrong, and it was a really rough matchup for me. But that's okay. Um, I actually got to play against a gentleman running Legion of Grief. Um, And that is... He didn't get the horror ghast out. um, But he had my Deepkin units at like minus 5, minus 6 bravery. Wow. Yeah, so he kills one eel 
and I lose a bunch. What's your bravery normal? Bravery normally six. So you're down to one because you can't go under one. Am I correct? You can go to zero. Oh, so you? Oh my! So you're at zero. Oh no! Yes, yeah, you so, lose one model, and you have to roll, and whatever you roll, you lose, and you've only got what th- units of three? No, they're nines. Or units but, of nines, but still. But still, if you roll even a one, or on average, let's say you roll a three, that's a third of your fighting power out, on top of the casualty. Um, so you can't use command points for anything other than inspiring presence when you're in that bubble. Otherwise, you're going to lose your army, and he. Did that a bunch to my eel blobs. Just minus five, minus six bravery. Bye. Um, <laughs> so, no, it was... I don't mean to laugh at you. I, I'm not happy that you no. lost the game. I just... No, no, I but, won that game. I pulled it out. But it's oh, still like you take chunks of your army out at once with, if you don't spend the command point. And even if you've got something that's like bravery 10 or whatever, putting you down at six or down six... Before the nasty spell comes out, it's rough. <laughs> so, no, it was awesome. Um, and then as far as other, we went on vacation. Uh, go to the Denver Children's Museum if you haven't been and you have a little one. Cutest pictures, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. She did uh, really well. They have a dedicated zero to three play area. Uh, so she just got to roll around with a bunch of kids her own age and just look at cool stuff, plant fake plants um play with massive toys um so no it was absolutely amazing it was strongly recommended and we didn't even see all the outside stuff because it was like 90 something degrees out yeah um and most of the outside stuff was for the bigger kids but uh no absolutely quality quality if you can go go um and then we went to voodoo donut in denver because you have to uh spent way too much on donuts and is that possible we spent like forty dollars on twelve donuts. That, that, I, that doesn't answer the question. Um, Were we they, could have done without the second voodoo doll, but okay. And for those who aren't familiar, it's a voodoo doll shaped donut with raspberry filling and a pretzel stick that's stabbed in it like a pin. Um, oh. and each one of them is individually designed, so no two are the same. Jeez. Oh, so you get to, and they do all sorts of like really weird, uh, crazy combinations, and they use a lot of like powdered fruit effects. So like, Carrie's favorite was the mango tango. So that's like a mango puree stuffed jelly donut um, with vanilla frosting, and then they put tang over the top of it before it dries. <laughs> yeah. They had a lot of very interesting combinations. Um, if you're ever in Denver, they have three locations. Um, all the donuts are amazing, so strongly recommend it. Yep, sounds good. Is that everything then? Yeah, pretty much. No, uh, I saw John Wick three again. By the way, uh, I went with Harrison right before he left for school because he wanted to see it again. Um, that is the best of the three. It is so good. I just have to keep saying that. Um, I haven't seen it yet, so so good. Honestly, it's just so good. I can't wait for part four now. Like I didn't, I didn't think I even needed a part two, much less a part three or a part four. But I can't wait for the next one. This was bananas. Loved it. Yeah. Um. I guess we can take a quick break here. Yep. And then uh, when we come back, uh, we will talk all about Warcry. 
Okay. Cool. Cool. Right, folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back talking War Cry. War Cry. Skirmish combat in the mortal realms. Well, sort of. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, last episode, I already said, dude, I think this game is awesome. I, I cannot wait to start doing some campaign stuff with it. Um, and I know I've got a couple of people who are interested. Um, side note, already side noting before we even started, um, you know, we got Warhammer Club at at work and now this year oh one nice thing Harrison's at school Morgan has his car and a driver's license so like I can stay after school now and not have to worry about taking kids to activities because Morgan's the only kid who needs to go and she has her own car Mm -hmm. Um, so we're definitely going to run Warhammer Club more often and if it gets approved again this year like this game is perfect for after school club Yes. It, I'm so excited because we can go like 90 minutes instead of two hours like we were doing for playing small games of AOS and 40K. We can pull out this, and uh, we're going to get a couple of sets probably for, for club um, because, oh, my God, this game is so good for quick games. Uh, it's, 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 fanta- it's bananas. I love it. Yeah, it's probably the best thing they've done in a while. Um and I don't say that because... Is it weird to say I like it more than Underworlds? Because I really like Underworlds. I really like Underworlds, too. And I really, really like this. Yeah, I think I like I've this I've been more. looking for a skirmish game. Because um, I've played Malifaux. I've tried Batman. I've tried a bunch of the other skirmish games, and nothing really takes. It doesn't stay. They're, this... they're fun, but it's like... It's that whole other thing that I've got to get into, and a whole other rule system. And this is... So simple. Yeah, and I think it's also it doesn't get bogged down in the minutia. Because, like, playing Infinity or Batman, there's a whole nother thing. Um, Especially Infinity, where you're always on. Infinity gets too crunchy for me. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. And maybe it's old man syndrome? No, it's not. It is... Infinity is a highly detail-oriented game. But and I used to, to love that stuff. I used to love number crunching and all that stuff when I would play games. Um, it's uh, it, You know what? I just want to play a game now. I don't want to spend all that time doing all that figuring. Yeah. And this game has two freaking dice rolls. Yeah. 
I mean, basically, right? I mean, when 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 you first explained it to us, I was like, it, it can't be this simple, and it's really it's not, but it is. The basic premise of this game is extremely simple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, much like AOS, it's a very short rule system, and then all the cool stuff comes in from the minutiae, the subtleties, and the th- different things your different groups can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. Th- so let's 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 start with a quick uh, like, what is the story behind this game? You know, yeah. The, um, and this game takes place at the all points. Which I think is cool because that's one of the scariest places in the mortal realms. Yeah, um, just the whole idea that Archeon runs this place and that you know he's been built up. He's such a boogeyman in this game. Mm-hmm. Like whenever he shows up in the stories, he doesn't lose. Like, like people you like, people you think at least have a chance to fight him to a standstill, just die. You know, um, and it takes place in the all points. Um, it's a wasteland. It's it's a sort of a terrible, horrible place, but people scratch out an existence there. And the game that you start off with in the box and the different war bands you can buy that are specific to Warcry are groups that live there and are trying to get Archeon's attention. They want to become like Varengard, I guess, right? They want to join Archeon's hordes, um, and they they have to prove themselves. Um, because that is the nature of chaos, is you have to prove yourself stronger. Uh, so these are guys that are wanting to join his armies for whatever purposes. Um, so like the Iron Golem, they want to be his forge masters. They want to make the weapons for him, but they still have to prove their capabilities of fighter. Oh yeah, everybody's got everybody's got to be able to kill, and kill a lot. Yes. So this is them fighting, trying to get to the Varen Spire, um, and ultimately through the Varen Spire to try to present themselves to Archeon as a worthy warband to join his host. And Okay, and this place, it's not... It, now, the, the All Point is not an actual... It's not one of the... It's not in any of the mortal realms, right? Yeah, it exists outside of the eight mortal realms. And it, but it's not in the Chaos Realm either. No. It's its own thing. And it's also just ridiculous. Like, you look at the little maps and stuff, and you're like, oh... We're playing in this little area again, or at least most of this seems to be. And you can kind of move around. There's different places. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's another huge, huge sort of... Uh, Plane of existence. Yeah. Um, and the way to the the way to the Varen Spire is not easy. Uh, well, actually, there is a straight no. open path, but it's constantly being marched upon by... Archeon's forces, and if you, you you can't go up that way. Like you've got to find a way. You almost have to like sneak in, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to find your own way. In. It's a, it's a challenge. Nobody who's fighting for Archeon is just getting in there on anything other than you have to. You you basically have to find your own way in. It's like. I'm trying to think of some other thing that some other movie or story that's like that where you have to it's like you have to find them. Um Yeah, there was a uh, Black Library book that they put out a while ago called Call of Archeon. Yes. And there was that one Xenachian disciple that had to fight his way through to the eight points. Mm-hmm. And then up and through the Varen Spire. So 
there is some background there for like what it's like and it's just constant warfare is what's going on in there there are little like villages and camps and stuff set up you know like yeah. it's it's not i mean there is respite there are there are merchants and people selling things which is really weird you think you'd have to be pretty tough to exist there um, so I just picture even, even the merchants can't be like little weakling guys, right? I mean, you have to be able to no. hold your own so that Pete, cause otherwise people just come up and take your stuff. Like, correct. it's, uh, it's, it's not like anything else I can think of. Um, you know, I try to think of almost like in the matrix where it was like, you know, Neo had to find them. Like he was looking for them. Like, it's sort of like that. Like a lot of people are looking, very few people finding, and this is what life is if you want to be one of these guys and now the the game gives you several groups like you had mentioned the iron golems um they want uh you know they they want to be as you said the the artisans the, the creators of weapons uh you've got the untamed beasts you know the nomads um the you know the weird uh, they're not like beast men they're just more bestial yeah so there's one f- Warband from each of the different mortal realms, with the exception of Azir. Um, okay. And then there's one from the Varen Spire itself from their fighting pits. Oh, okay. So each one of these uh, warbands takes on that sort of chaos twisted personality of that realm. So that's why if you look at the golem, they are covered in metal um, with very little flesh because they believe flesh is weak. Hmm. And metal is the only thing. With the beasts, it's they take on the uh, bones and flesh of the things that they've killed because that makes them stronger. Right, and that's from the realm of beasts. And then you've got the Corvus Cabal from the realm of Ulgu. Yes, and these are the shadowy kind of guys. And they see, uh, they worship Chaos as like the great gatherer, um, so like a bird sort of deity. So they're looking for um, offerings to that, and they see Arcan as this avatar of the dev- of the gatherer um and then you look at the contrast which is the cypher lords from the realm of light um and this is the closest thing we have to civilized chaos <laughs> because they have they come from a city in the realm of hish which you think is really weird but during the age of chaos when you have whole civilizations falling to chaos it doesn't escape anywhere so like there's these like towns and cities that are thriving um that worship chaos and these guys are chaos in its purest form they're tricksy they're unpredictable yeah Um, it says it worships uh the as as a formless entity of infinite aspects a pure protean essence of trickery and madness it sounds very zinchian to me and it it does have a lot of zinchian to it yeah it's pretty cool i wasn't sold on the models uh, no. I, I look at them now, and I, I mean, once again, you see the pictures, and it's like, Meh, and then you kind of see the models up close. The models are pretty cool, but I still am not, I mean, I don't, hey, look, I don't know who designed them. I don't want to make fun of anybody, but I was sitting there over at Lindsay's, and I'm like, you know what? How many, how many different, there's seven groups, right? Or eight groups? There's six released, two coming, yet. Yeah. Right, so there's eight. Uh, but I looked at the six that were released, and I said, that guy who was designing, it's, I feel like he showed up at work that morning with five and said, wait, six? Six? And then like ran downstairs and started grabbing all the models and just kitbashed something together. It's like, oh, okay, we'll take the uh, you know the chaos, uh, 
Kaz Marauder uh, uh, bodies, and we'll throw on this guy's head and this guy's weapon, and this guy it just it it I don't know. It doesn't sing to me. And the other ones are all I really like. Pretty much everything I've seen, even those weird unmade, which are weird. Yeah, but if you look at what the Cypher Lords are, they're supposed to be these civilized chaos. And if you look at what they're a combination of, they're a combination of like pseudo Egyptian um, plus pseudo Eastern the, yeah. Asian. I mean, uh, it so kind it's a of real works. Like I said, the models look. They just. But I first looked at them. I'm like, what in the world is this? And it's, it's the one that I'm still not quite sold on the models. I mean, yes. You know, are they bad? No, they're great models. They're just, they're not, they don't speak to me. And if that's the worst thing I can say is, yeah, they're all good. It's just these ones are the least good in my opinion, uh, you know. Yeah. No, and that's what it is. It's just, it's an aesthetic that doesn't jive with everybody. Right. So, um, but yeah, you look at the unmade and those are from the realm of death and they're creepy. What is wrong? Who thought of this? Seriously. Somebody else, somebody besides me needs to start seeing a therapist because this is just so wrong. Uh, they cut off their faces and put them on their belt buckles. Yep. And then they cut off various body parts to make themselves living instruments of torment. They're just, this is, these guys are just wrong. I mean, it's great. I love it. You know, um, I haven't played with mine yet because I haven't built them because I haven't done anything this week. But I love it. Like, it's just, oh, it's it's so, I, I would not have thought of this. This was just like, oh, God, someone's got to, you know, this, you, someone, someone has to, I don't someone's know. Someone's got some deep-seated issues. Um, yeah. But it makes sense for chaos from the realm of death. It really does. Oh, sure. About it. Um, the only one that creeps me out is there's a, alternative build for one of the guys with the pole arms where you can have him lift his helmet up. All right. And you can see his flayed face. No, uh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. That's okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, then who else are we missing? Uh, Splintered Fang. Yep. So these guys are from the realm of life. They worship uh, the coiling ones, uh, which are like descendants of the god beast Nagadendra. So... They're trying to offer souls up in order to bring Nagadendra back. Um, and these are the Arch Poisoners. This is the gladiatorial-looking guys. Right. Um, they favor bladed weapons because that's what deliver the, delivers the poison. And even their way of, like, pseudo-leveling up is you get bit by more and more snakes and growing more and more tolerant to their venom. Yeah. No, these guys, these guys are actually pretty cool. Yeah, they're... A very interesting aesthetic because it's like the pseudo Grecian uh, gladiatorial look. Um, it's an interesting in, in the book. The uh, even the way they it's you know you've got the uh, it's all black and white. It's just silhouettes mm-hmm. of the different things. So you get a silhouette to give you an, a general idea. I mean, which is just different because a lot of the time you know they give you these really cool detailed art drawings, and here. It's just these weird sort of shadowy, ominous uh, silhouettes with a little description and then a, a quick little, like, four, three or four-word phrase. Yeah, um, it's their war cry. Yeah. 
Let's see. The Iron Golems have We Create War. Untamed Beast Hunt the Hunter. Pick the Corpse Clean from Corvus Cabal. Let Madness Rain from the Cypher Lords. The Unmade Agony is our gift. And then the Splintered Fang, one cut, one kill. Which works if you got those poisons working right, I suppose. Yeah, and they are they like to del- they delight in seeing the effects of their poison. So oh, like yeah. they will administer the killing blow and then back away and then watch you suffer. Yeah. How does it describe it here? It's gross. It's more gross. It's not as gross as the unmade, but it's still uh, victims dying. Their flesh swelling and expanding, and their blood clotting like spoiled milk. Blarg! Yuck! Yeah, and that's what most snake venom does to their to the things that they bite. Right. So, um, yeah. So you have those, and those are the ones that are available now. Uh, there are two more chaos unique ones coming. Uh, the first of which is the Scions of the Flame, which. I cannot tell you how excited I am for these guys. Why? Because they so they're like warrior priests and flagellants of chaos. Oh. They want to see everything burn. They are really heavy into the ritual. They're completely fanatical. They inflict pain upon themselves by like eating the molten hearts of the beasts of the realm of fire to gain their power. That's pretty cool. And they their big thing is to harvest like Rage Rockets, the Realm Stone, from the Realm of Akshi to further drive everything. So these guys are like the fiery orators of chaos. Oh, and they just want to see everything burn. So yes, that is that is that Alex. Is, that is cool. I do like that. And then you got the Spire Tyrants, and these are the ones who are from the Varen Spires fighting pits. Yes. We are his chosen, and this the 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 silhouette basically it's it's it looks very much like a chaos warrior. Yes, you know a big axe. You could tell he's wearing a bunch of you know shoulder pads and arm guards. He's got the big horns on the helmet. Um, they are you know these are the, just yeah they're his best fighters. The guys who have gotten into the arena pits and won over and over and over again. Yeah, um, and then the Scion's war cry is the flame within. Right. So uh, I, yeah, so jazzed for those <laughs> Spire Tyrants. We are his chosen. Uh, yeah, like I said, every, everything about this game is just good. Now, um, you can also they also have uh, like the little those Chaos Furies and the Raftrix. They've got the other. These are not factions you can play, but they're factions that sometimes you can add, and sometimes will just show up in your games. Yes. Uh, they come with the box set. They basically look like gargoyles and uh Well, Furies we've had before. Yeah. Um these are just much better versions oh, of yeah. Furies uh compared to the metal ones that we've had for a long time. So you have these Furies now, and these are just like the scavenger demons that haunt the Varenspire. Mm-hmm. And then you have the really weird angry battle chickens, the Raptorixes. Um I don't understand them. Like some sort of weird little chimera beast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, these are things that they can they can wind up either popping up around. Sometimes they just sometimes the twist just has this stuff popping around and doing stuff. Yeah. Or when you go through the narrative portion, like the campaign part of it, you can add them to your warband too. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's right. Um, and what else? Now, 
that's like the main stuff in the game that that we were looking at. But there's also, uh, and I don't know how much time we're going to have to get into them. But there's you, there's nine other factions that you can bring in that are from existing armies. So uh, if a friend of yours has bought the game and you maybe don't want to have to buy the game or buy a new thing or something like that, um, they've got... You can play uh, with certain Stormcast, um, all three flavors of Death Armies, you know, Night Haunt, Legions, and Flesh Eater Courts, and... Um, the Bone Splitters, the Iron Jaws, the Gloom Spite Gits from Destruction, and then the Sisters, uh, uh, or the uh, Daughters of Cain, I mean, and uh, the Ideneth Deepkin all have groups that, for one reason or another, um, have made their way into the Varen Spire um, to, uh, to do whatever it is they're going to do. Now, I thought it was interesting that the actual... The actual book here only mentions Gloom Spite gets Night Haunt and Stormcast. Um, yeah. As far as like their rationale. Because I was like, why would the Stormcast be there? Like, why would you go there if everyone else in this game is trying to get Arcan's attention? But of course, they got sent there because the Storm Vaults have opened. Yeah. And the thing to understand about the All Points is that it was prior to the fall, uh, it was this massive hub of trade. And enlightenment between all eight realms. So naturally, Sigmar is going to hide stuff there. Right. So you now send in the Vanguard hunters and their crew to try to find the stuff. Um, and they're guided by their actual compasses. The biggest thing with them is that if they die, they may not get reforged. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's bad. That is real bad. Yeah. Um, you know, Night Hunter there, who knows why they're there? The Nagash is sent. Anytime after the Necroquake, anytime there's magical stuff, they show up. And uh, nobody knows except Nagash why they're showing up there. But they do show up. And uh, what's Gloom Spike gets? I can't remember. It's random. Uh, the truth is, it's an infestation, is what Gloom Spite is. So these are the ones that actually live there. Oh, okay. Because, oh, like, right. even when uh, Sigmar closed the gates to Azir, he had to root and stem all the greenskins out of Azir. <laughs> yep. Archeon has not root and stemmed the Gloom Spite. And I doubt, I doubt he will. No. There's no point to it. And honestly, if they're enough of an irritant that they're killing off anything that's living in the Varen Spire, you know Archeon's like, you don't deserve to live if the Gloom Spite gets are killing you. I don't know, squigs are pretty tough. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. There's no mangler or anything like that that's going to take down Archeon. And he's sitting there, if you want to work with me and you can't handle those, you don't deserve to to be here. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, they didn't mention any of the other ones in in the main rule book, though. So uh, their reasons for being there are as inscrutable as, as the entities themselves, I suppose. Yeah, there's some additional background when we get into the campaign section, but oh, right. it's okay. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the rules here a little bit. Sure. Um, now, the core rules, now, the game itself is actually pretty simple. Now, when you buy the box set to start off, and you don't even have to buy the box set anymore because you can buy the rule book, and they have other terrain setups other than the terrain that you buy in the main rule book. 
mm-hmm. or the main the main case, but the main set gives you the the uh, iron golems and the uh, beasts, the mm-hmm. uh, the untamed beasts. So if you want them, that you buy, you have to buy the box set. But let's say you don't, um, you you can split a terrain box with your friends. You can get the uh, a rule book. You know, you can get the cards. You can get all these things separately. So you don't have to drop because I mean the box is what's it like a buck seventy? Yeah, it's expensive, but it's a worthwhile value if you have the money for it. Oh, it's worth every penny, but I mean not everybody wants to buy that, and not everybody needs to. You know what I'm saying? That's that's kind of what I'm what I'm driving at. You can uh, yeah, you can do that. But um, so the game is played on a thirty by twenty two board. And you basically pick your warband, and they, you know, each of these things we talked about have uh, you know different models at, at different points values. Just like if you're building an army, you're going to take a thousand points of of characters of of models. Um, that can be anywhere from like I guess what three to twenty, depending on your. Yeah, it's usually like three to fifteen. Yeah, um, it just depends on your on your particular warband. Um, but the other big restriction is you have to have a leader. Um, so that's you, the model with the leader rune mark. And you can't have more than one. So you have to have a leader. Yes. Um, now, the game actually, it, it, it sets up really cool. And uh, it, uh, like I said, this is, the, here's, like, I mean, I just want to go over the, the real, like, here's the five-minute version of the game. Okay. You pick your warband. I pick my warband. Um, when you start, you have to you 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 have what's called an initiative roll, and we'll talk about that later. Um, you have to split your your warband up into three sections, uh, three parts, because they come on in these three parts. You got your dagger, your shield, and your hammer. Once you've split it up, then you flip. There's four decks. You take one card, you know, from each deck. So the first deck, I flip the card. That tells me how to set up the terrain. So the terrain that comes in the box, it gives you a picture of it. Boom, this is the terrain. Um, once you set it up, there's a little arrow pointing up. So when you flip the second card, which is how to deploy your army or your, your forces, you make sure that the arrow is pointing the same way on the card so that you're deploying in the right spots uh, for that for that game. Um, and then you you deploy... Third card you flip that gives you your victory conditions. Fourth card you flip is the twist, which has you know different things that may or you know some stuff may happen to throw a little monkey wrench into your plans. Um, once you've done all of that, when you've deployed your forces, it's time to start the game, and <laughs> you've only got like what four things you can do. You can move. You can attack. You can. You can- uh, Disengage, or you can wait. Yeah, and wait doesn't happen. It's a lot of move and attack, uh, basically. Um, but now each there's a there's a group of little special abilities, and we'll go into how you can use them later. There's generic ones that everybody can use, and then every different warband has their own, um, you know, band specific specialties that they can use. Mm-hmm. But basically, once you start off, whoever has initiative goes first. Every character gets two actions, and they can be two different or two of the same. Um, if you're going to use a special ability, you can use it either before your first action, between the first and second, or after the second. It's up to you. 
you know, you got to make it work out for however you're playing. And then basically you, you know, you have a little stats card, which the stat cards are great because they don't have any words on them. It's all pictures and numbers. So whatever language you're, you're working with, you, same stats card, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you pick your weapon. Sometimes you only have one choice. Sometimes you have multiple choices. It tells you how many dice to roll, and it tells you, you look at your stats, what you need to wound. You roll the dice. If you wound, he takes points uh, off uh, of his hit points. And then basically you alternate activations. I move a guy, you move a guy, until everybody's moved all their guys. And then that round is over. And it's a th- usually a three-round game, although the... Three or four is usually. Yeah, the victory objective can change that, you know, when you when you pick that out. Um, but, you know, at the end of the round, once everybody's moved, you go into round two, you roll for initiative again, and then, boom, you start. And then you have your just... And you just rolled wound. Like, you're in this... If I, if I hit you good enough to hit you, I've hit, I've hit you and wounded you. That's just... There's not... You don't need all the extra dice rolls. Um, which I'm not complaining about them in, in playing, you know, 40K or Age of Sigmar. You know, I like having a save roll and all that stuff. But in this game, they've just made it down where you're just, you're in there and you're fighting. And that's your role. Yeah. Yeah, the, they've kind of combined the armor save and everything like that into the wounds and toughness characteristic. Yes. Um, if you got a lot of so, armor or you're really tough, you'll have more wounds, basically. Or higher toughness. Um, so, like, the big thing is the roll to wound chart is... Just like what it is for 40k, if you are higher than your opponent's toughness, then you roll, on, then you wound on a three. If you're the same, you need a four, and if you're worse, you need a five. So there is no automatic wounding on twos or needing sixes to wound or anything like that. It's just it's three, four, or five. Yeah, just really Compare depends. Compare the strength and toughness, and that's yep. It's so simple, and uh, you know, sixes are criticals. Yes, because all of your all of your weapons show two two numbers. The first one is if you hit if you hit to wound, and, uh, and the second one is a better one. And that's if you hit for sixes. If you roll sixes, then you get you get more wounds. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike Underworlds, where you know no matter how many successes you get, you do a set amount of damage. This one, every success does the damage. So if if I roll four dice and I get two successes in a crit, I add up. You know, I, I hit for you know. That success, I also hit for the other success. I also hit for the crit. I add all those up together, and that's how much damage I do. Yep. Um, and then you meet the victory conditions in three or four turns, um, and that's basically the whole game. Yeah. I mean, it, for the basics, that's that's it. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, you taught us the game in 15 minutes. Well, we did the demo, and I set it up for you guys. And I mean, I found out I did some things wrong, but that's besides the point. I ran you and Braska through turn one, and then I talked to Rotor. You were talking and to Rotor about halfway through turn one. Like, we once we kind of yeah, got it, you started talking to Rotor, and then all of a sudden, Braska, like, we're setting up, he's like, Rotor, this is legit. And you're like, oh, yeah, what do you, and, and you're like, do you need any help? We're like, no, we're starting turn, we're starting round three. Like, <laughs> yeah. We got through without even a question up to, like, finished round one, played all of round two, getting into the third and final round of the game without so much as a question. Because it really is, the basics are that simple, which is, mm-hmm. which is great. I was, at, I was at Lindsay's, and some guy said it was a dumbed-down version of Kill Team. And I like Kill Team, 
But I don't think it's a dumbed-down version any more than I think AOS is a dumbed-down version of 40K. It's different. Yes. It's 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 a it's a different idea, a different way of playing, um, you know. Um, but it's it's so it's just so streamlined. It's like wow, you cut out all the nonsense and just made a game that I can literally play in thirty minutes. Yes, uh, I mean that's and it's fun. That's the thing, and the replayability is just bananas. Because I was explaining it to Harrison. And I'm like, Harrison, um, I, like, the combinations here are crazy. He's like, what do you mean? So because of the fact that you have 32 cards in each of those four decks. 36. Oh, there's 36? I thought there was 32. No. Oh, I miscounted then. Hold on. Oh, that's even worse. Holy mackerel. Okay, so because there's 36 cards in each deck and you're randomly drawing one card from each of the four decks... 1,679,616 possible combinations of games you could play. I mean, that's crazy. And that's not including the war bands that you and your opponent are playing or if you're red or blue to play it. Yes, oh that's going to that yeah that yeah that those different things are going to affect. I'm just saying scenario-wise. Oh, yeah, for sure. 1.679 million possible combinations. Now, a lot of them will be similar, and uh, I will say this now. I, I was talking with Rotor, and they did set up one one time, and literally at the setup, the, the war bands they had and what was going on, he's like, they, he could not win. Like there was, He's like, there is literally no way for me to win this with what you have and what I have. Um, and the way and the way we're deployed here, and it, it, that made for they actually just I think they wound up just re racking. He's like, I can't be, I cannot, I can't do it. Um, I don't know how often that comes up. I don't know if you've experienced that. I don't know. I have. Mm -hmm. um, it does happen when you do like the full open play, and actually, there's three ways to play Warcry. Um, so the open play, which is just you do just a one off card set, yeah. yeah. Um, and then that also works its way into the campaign system, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, there are some battle plans where it just doesn't work for you. So you have to try to figure out, one, how to make it work, or at least give it the best chance. Because even if you lose, you're still going to have fun playing. You play the game in 45 minutes, and then you play another one. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out, like, what could you do in that possible situation? But it's not like you have to spend three hours getting your teeth kicked to try to figure out what you could have done better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I can see that. Um, it's still, I mean, I can see it being frustrating, though. Like, if I, if, if I was mm -hmm. playing a one-off game and, and that's how we racked it up, I would if my if my opponent was like, dude, I, there's absolutely no way for me to win this. I'd be, All right, well, let's pull four new cards. I mean, what's it going to take? Another five minutes to set yeah. up. You know, yeah. I mean, if you're playing in a campaign, that kind of sucks for you because you kind of got to play it. You know, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, there's just the, the replay factor. I think on this game is ridiculously high. It is just as good as regular AOS as far as replay factor goes. In fact, yeah. poss possibly more so, um, only because um, 
with the small bands and with the one-offs, I can pick different things. Uh, or even with if I'm playing a campaign, you can start dropping and mixing in other things. Whereas if you're playing for tournaments, a lot of times you're playing a list. Mm-hmm. And you're playing an army, and you spend so much time to build and paint that army. You've devoted so much time to it that there's you. Even if you have a, a variety of opponents, you're doing that thing. Whereas in this game, it can it constantly changing. Yes. Um. So okay, so we've given the the basics. Um, what I would like to do is, um, you know what? Let's quick. We've been going for. Like 40 minutes. Why don't we take a quick break? Mm-hmm. And then let's come back and let's talk a little bit about... Um, the initiative role? Yeah, let's yeah, let's let's jump in. Let's go a little deeper into the rules. Let's start, you know, because, you know, the game itself, it's like, you know, when you tell people it's two rules and stuff like that, they kind of give you the side eye. Let's, let's look at this and look how, where all the little subtleties come in and where all of a sudden when you start looking at a board and looking at the terrain set up, how it's like, oh, there's a whole lot of strategy in this. So let's look at that next. Sure. Lindsay's Game of Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Wow, that's terrible. But they're not. They carry the full GW range for all your hobby cravings, and customers get 10% off their purchases every single day at Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. What makes Lindsay so special? Well, there's weekend events for AOS, 40K, Underworlds, Song of Ice and Fire, Star Wars Legions, pretty much every other tabletop game going on, and they've got something there going on almost every weekend. If tabletop gaming is your thing, there's always something happening at Lindsay's. But David, you say, what if I want to support Lindsay's but can't always make it out there? I'm glad you asked. Lindsay's online store makes shopping easy. Just go to lindsaysgarrison.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-S garrison.com and fill your cart with hobby goodness. Show listeners. You can enter GH Savings at checkout for extra specials and discounts. And did I mention free shipping for orders over 50 bucks? Because, yeah, there's free shipping for orders over 50 bucks. That's like a book in a box or two boxes. It's so easy. That's Lindsay's. And don't forget, enter GH Savings at checkout at lindsaysgarrison.com. That's Lindsay's Game of Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. That's horrible. I'm leaving it in. And we're back. We are back from break and ready to dive into these rules a little deeper because even though it's a simple game, it's got some nice complexity into it that, uh, like I said, that I really appreciate uh, after jumping in and really looking at what the rules can do after our first uh, demo. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, when you start up a battle, okay, so you you, you make your war bands, okay? Um and the three to fifteen fighters, like you said, not over not over a thousand points, has to have exactly one leader. And then you start off with the priority roll. Now the priority roll is uh, six dice. Am I correct? It is six. You roll your six dice, and any any singles, anything that you don't have any matching other numbers on, you pull those aside. Okay. Um, so if you rolled a one through six, 
you'd have six singles, then your initiative would be six. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you roll any doubles, triples, or quadruples, those don't count towards your initiative. Those get put to the side because those things, even though your initiative is lower, then you can use those to spark your special abilities on your special ability cards or the universal special abilities. So there's a trade-off there. You might get to go first if you roll a really high initiative, but then you have less things you can actually, less special things that you can do. Right. So that's kind of like the balance factor. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. Now, after that roll happens, and that that's what you start off uh, with. You, so you roll that to set up. Um, then, before you do anything else, you have to split up your battle group. Oh, no, you, no, no, slow down. So you set up your map. No, you don't. Your ba- no, no, trust. Just hang on. Okay. You deploy the terrain. You split up your groups. You flip the deployment card. And then you roll off just a single D6 to deploy. I'm I reread this. I'm literally looking at it, and I'm I'm on page 36. It says you do the priority roll, okay? Starting with the player who lost the priority roll, each player splits their warband into three groups. It's the very next thing it says you do. Oh, hello. Yeah, page 36, because I was doing it the other way, too. Yeah. Whoever okay. wins the priority, then then you split. So you you have to split up your team into three parts before you have any idea what the board's going to look like. Right. And that makes, and that's, I mean, I don't know if it's different in the campaign, but that's where suddenly it's like, oh, and you have the dagger, the shield, and the hammer. The dagger is like part one, the shield is second, the hammer's last. Um, you have to have at least one fighter and cannot have more than half in any war band. Plus, at least one third has to go into the shield in in the middle in the middle group. Yep. So now I'm splitting up my my group before I know what the battle is going to be because I'm marching around the you know I'm marching around the eight points with these guys living my life. You never know what's going to happen, but before I get there, before I see exactly what's going to happen. I'm telling guys, okay, here's the plan. There's, you know, what we're going to try to do. And this is when you start flipping cards. First, you flip the terrain card, which tells you how to set up your board. Then you flip the deployment card, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, on every deployment card, there are two sets of the symbols. There's the dagger, the shield, and the hammer. One's in red, one's in blue. And it's the player that won, prior, won the priority chooses whether they're going to be red or blue. You get to see the card and see where everyone deploys. So winning the priority gives you that one advantage of picking, you know, picking which deployment you think will be most advantageous to to your to your warband. Um, then the a guy who wins the priority roll sets up their dagger, and then I'll set up mine. Then you set up yours. I set up my shield. You set up your shield. I set up my hammer. You set up your hammer. Um, the only time is if you see uh, RN round two or round three next to one of those groups, then they don't actually come in till the second or third battle round, depending on what it says next to the card. So it's possible you start off the game without your whole force. Yeah. Which is why splitting up into your dagger, shield, and hammer is so important. You want to try to keep a balance while having some idea of what you think you might need to do 
Um, and which is why I, I didn't realize until I was sitting down here and getting ready for the game. I was like, oh, I have to split up before I even know what the terrain looks like. Mm-hmm. Like that's you. You gotta you gotta know your war band and know what you your, what your plans you know what your ideas are and how to play it before you have anything else set out. And I like that. Uh, then the victory card flips. Now this one I thought was weird. Um, in the rules here, you flip your victory card, and, uh, and it says. Here, it determines the winner of how the winner of the battle is chosen, how long the battle will last. If it instructs the players to determine who's the attacker and who's the defender, place objective or marker tokens, or this is when you do it. Mm-hmm. Then it said, now this I thought was the odd part, with the tied games. When the battle's over, if neither player achieved the victory conditions, you play one more round. So sometimes it says by round three, sometimes the card says by round four. But if it says by round four and I'm not done, I play a round five. Mm-hmm. Then check the victory conditions one more time. If one of the players, see if someone's the winner. If neither achieves the victory conditions, you just keep playing until you basically play till you wipe out your opponent. At some point, it's like so. If if if, if it's a three round game and nobody won, and then we go to four rounds and nobody won, then we just keep playing rounds until somebody wipes the other guys out. Apparently, you get into such a blood frenzy and such an aggravated state that you forget the actual mission and just say, screw it, I'm killing these guys. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I don't know how often it gets to that, but I kind of like that. There is no, there is no real... You're, not, you're never going to get tied. If I can't complete the mission, I'm just going to kill everybody that's opposed to me because then at least they can't win. Truth. Truth. Um, what else? Is there anything else uh, for setup that we really need to know about? Um, you know, if you have to control an objective, it's the most guys within three inches of the center of the objective marker uh, carrying treasures in here, um, which is actually pretty simple. Yeah. Um, um, so you don't roll the six dice because that's the priority roll. Just a straight roll off. The six dice are initiative dice. Oh, and it right, right, at right. The start of the hero phase. That's why I okay. That's why I confused you because I'm an idiot because I misread that part. So you just roll off uh, a a single d six. Oh, okay. And whoever wins that wins priority for setting up all this stuff to set up the game. Yes. That okay. I had skipped over and done the wrong. Okay. Well. Well, it's because when we do the initiative rolls. Um, because that's like the basic core mechanic of this game is that particular thing. So, like, I screwed it up when I did the demos with you guys. So I see. Well, plus, and they call it the priority roll. And so later on when you're rolling in the hero phase to determine who has priority, you know, they call it that single dice roll. I actually thought you were rolling off for the priority roll. So that's my mistake. I, I, I uh, yeah, okay. No, that's on both of us. So it's fine. Point is, so... You've got everything set up, you're on the board, and then you each roll six dice. Um, And then you set up your singles, you set up your doubles, triples, quads, whatever. Um, The biggest thing is a quad, Um, so you can't go any more than that. So even if you do five fives, which I did today, um, it only ever counts as a quad. If you rolled five fives, can you take a three and a two? I mean, you could break it up how you want, right? No. Oh, no, so you have to... Okay. Oh, so if oh, so that's right. It's right here in the rules. If three or more, if 
four or more. That's a. It says four or more. It's a quad. Okay. Yeah. So I rolled five fives and a six. So you had a one quad and then and a, a one single. for your priority. Yep. Oh, that kind of stinks. Now once yeah, you... no, that was like the worst roll <laughs> existence. Yeah, I guess the only worst roll you can get is, is rolling all six the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now that you've done that, though, then you get a wild die, and I like this. Well, this is you determine who has initiative, uh-huh. so it's who has the most singles, and then you get the wild die. Right. Now you get one wild die. And you can use it during your hero phase to add to your singles or to your ability dice. So whoever has the initiative, they, they use their wild die first. Um, and, you can, and you can either add it to the number of singles. Like maybe, you know, you, you're, you're, you're trying to get to that priority, you know. Um, or, or you can add it to... You can turn a single into a double. You can turn that double into a triple. You can turn the triple into a quad. Um, you just match up the die with whatever you want to match it up with. Then, yeah, and the value does matter. Um, now, you don't have to use the wild dice when you get it. You can bank it if you want. That I didn't when we demoed. I didn't know that, and that's a cool little either. thing. Either if you don't necessarily need it. You can bank it. And then on the second round, then you'll have two wild dice. Or And then if you don't use them then, which I can't see you holding them till the third round. I've done it. Oh, well, okay. Then you can totally hold them till the third round. Um, now, you can't put more than one wild dice. You can't turn a double into a quad. Correct. You can only put one. In fact, you can't turn a single into a triple. You can only add one to an existing number. Correct. Um, but if you're holding those initi- holding those wild dice till the end, you can put extra singles if you roll a bunch of the same number. Um, and why would you want to do that? Because after you've used all your after everyone has used their wild dice, you check how many singles you have again. And if that now if if you had more singles than I did, and now suddenly I have more singles than you did, I actually will steal the initiative from you. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can tie with you, then we have to roll off for initiative, like we did before to, to before the game set up. Yep. So that's actually, um, you know that 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 that's a valid tactic, which I didn't mm-hmm. realize you could do when we were first playing. Uh, I was just adding it to the doubles and quads. It just adds another layer of well, how should I use this? How am I going to use it? Um, you know, what it's, do I want to do? Yeah, it's a resource management mechanic. Um, this kind of replaces magic in the game in general. Um, it lets you do different abilities based on your rune maps on your fighter cards. So, like, on your abilities cards, you have some that can be used by anybody. And then there are some that have to be used by ones with a specific rune mark. Right. So, you just have to double check the rune mark and see what you need. Um, so, the other thing is you can only use one ability per activation so like if you activate let's say uh the breacher from the iron golem he can only use one ability right during his turn there is an exception to that rule Mm -hmm. if you are the last person alive in your warband you can use as many as you as you can use yeah you can go rambo if you want 
Well, you may have to. I mean, especially mm-hmm. at that last that last phase, it's like I've got a bunch of dice left, you know. Uh, I'm going to use them all with this guy. That's if you have all but one. Right. So you have to have one guy going Rambo, not like the last guy in your activation. No, no, it has to be the last guy standing. If everybody else in your party is dead, that guy mm-hmm. can – and if you have – you know, let's say you have three doubles, you know, well, I can only use one. No, I can use all of it, you know. Um you still, I think you can only use one before, one in between, and one after. I think yep. I'd have to check. So you get a maximum of three, I guess, mm-hmm. if you have all the doubles or whatever. But uh, still, the guy can go ham. Um, and then um, that's that's that is the hero phase. Just you know, playing this little dice game. Um, if any team, anyone is coming on in reserve, if there's, you know, if round two or round three has reserves coming in, and not all scenarios do, then that's the reserve phase. You know, bring the guys on. Whoever has initiative goes on first. You know, they deploy first, then the other guy. And then finally you get to the combat phase. Um, and that's only the three phases per round. Roll for initiative, put in any reserves you need to, and then fight. Um, mm-hmm. As we said, in the combat phase, you have four actions. Move, attack, disengage, and wait. Uh, you pick any two of those in any combination. I did like in here where it actually says in the rules, carry out the first action before deciding on the second. So I don't have to declare both things I'm doing. I can do the thing, and if it goes really well, I can do something else. And if it goes poorly, I can choose to do that thing again. But I don't have to decide until I see what happens after the first activation. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to before we go into abilities? Do we want to go into the different the different actions and like all the cool things you can do? Yeah. So the easiest one is fight, which is you pick one of your weapons and you roll the sword value, and you compare that against your target's toughness. If you're in range, um, some weapons have a minimum range, like the long strike crossbow for the Raptors has six inch minimum. So you have to make sure that you're in range. Um, then you just roll and see what happens. Yeah. It's that's the attack is the simplest thing you do. Um, disengage is you move away um, out of the combat range of a enemy model, and you have to end. It's a three inch move, and you have to end more than an inch away from all enemy fighters. And if you can't be more than an inch away after your three inch move, you can't do it. You can't disengage unless you get there. Uh, can we take one step back to the attack action thing real quick? Sure. Um, you were saying, depending on the range, some weapons are close up. Most people, if you have a long range weapon, you will still also have a, a, a close up weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that guy with the with the with the that's got a six inch minimum because it's his little it's his, it's his bolt thrower or whatever he's using. Uh, obviously, if you've got guys inside that six-inch range, you can't shoot at them if it's a six-inch minimum. But the interesting rule is if you have enemies within an inch of you, you have to attack them. Okay? So even if I have a crossbow and I want to shoot the guy 15 inches away, if someone's an inch away from me or less, I have to attack them, and I have to use the weapon that can reach them. If there's a minimum range weapon... It's obviously there. You know, it's going to be more than one if you have a a, a minimum range. Um, 
you can't use it. So that you know, you have to pick the weapon that will work for them, and you have to get the immediate threat in front of you. You can't ignore it to go after something else. Um, and then once again, if you hit, you allocate damage. Um, uh, if you roll criticals, you get the ex- you know they score a lot more points and uh, add it all up and take wounds. If you do enough wounds where you reduce their wound counts to zero, then that enemy is dead and you take them off the board. Yeah. So the big thing is it also determines like target priority because if a model has already activated, it can't activate again unless it waits, but we'll come to that. Right. Um, so you generally want to take the guys that haven't activated or the ones that are going to do the victory condition. Yes. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should talk about moving. Yeah, so moving is just basic value in inches. So it's the little number with the arrow on your fighter card. So you just move that many inches. Um, if you're going over a piece of terrain that is one inch or less, I think is what it is, you don't have to pay to go over it. It just essentially counts as open. Um, but it still may count as cover depending on the situation. Um, and we should talk about cover. Um, but you do your basic move. You can move straight across as a jump from platform to platform as long as you don't end in open air. Yeah, if you've got a four-inch move and you start at the edge of the platform and the other platform is four inches or less away, like as long as you can put the that model, the center of your model's base on there and he can stay on there, you can just jump across. Yeah, there's no roll, there's no nothing. So this creates like the cinematic moments for this game, which is really where it shines. Right, um, but you have to so, make it in that one move. Even though you can do two move actions in a row, you can't jump and then midway through be like, I'm going to jump, keep jumping. Cause, yeah, yeah. So there is no jump, jump. This is not Super Mario. Right. So you have that. Um, and then you can jump from a platform down, which is you measure your distance straight out and then you go straight down and you may hurt yourself when you land if it's three or more inches in yeah. height that you that you fall then then uh then you have to roll to see if you suffer impact damage yeah which is not it's minimal but if you roll a six it's three damage yeah and that may seriously hurt some of your smaller fighters um if you fly then it you just ignore that. Right. So there are some things with fly that just do whatever they want. But this also adds for some cool things because if I'm up on top of the wall over there and your guy is, is here, I can jump. And if I can get – if my jump is far enough that I can go past him, you know, I can jump and land on the other side of him. If not, I can jump. I can choose to jump and only go the partial partial distance of the jump, right? Yeah. So, but that's, you can just jump down to get them, but it's kind of that idea of jumping over them, sort of pinning them between that and the wall where you're at. Uh, that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, once again, it's, it, like you said, it's, it's got that cinematic idea to it of, of, you know, flying around and jumping around guys. Yeah. Like if you have a Praetorian, which is the iron golem with the big weapon, like if you think about it, he's going to jump down sledgehammer blow, um, on top of you, but he lands and rolls his ankle. So, like, it's that sort of, like, cool stuff yeah. that you can do. Um, and then you can climb, uh, and you just pay the distance up. 
now by the end of that now if you if you're going up let's say it's it's that's three inches up and you got a four inch move uh it takes me three inches to get to the wall and one inch up that's my first move i can use my second move to you can't stop halfway correct if 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 i'm going if i'm going to go up and i'm going to run out of move and i have no more no more actions i i basically can't do the move i mean i suppose i can but you fall i mean i suppose i can say you have to yeah you generally have to finish a move on a platform or on the battlefield floor or on stairs or on stairs um now here's the part where i got a little confused and i wanted to i wanted to ask you about this is falling Mm-hmm. Now, I know there's times when you're fighting. If you're close to an edge, you might get knocked off and fall. Yep. Now, let's say I choose to do that move where I, I just jump off the, off a, you know, off a, a ledge. So I jump, and I've got a five-inch move, like in the example in the book. So I jump five inches across. I go three inches down. That's not considered falling, is it? If I jump and go to... I mean, I, 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 for rolling for damage, but because... The falling rules have this weird rule where my opponent gets to place me, and I didn't think that that's how that worked. That is different, because if we're fighting on a platform or a bridge or whatever, and I knock you off, then you're falling. Then I get to place you. Yes. So, so really, even though it says I'm jumping over them, I, I go my distance horizontally, and then I, 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 I go down vertically till I hit to the ground, and if I go more than three inches... Three or more. Yeah. But so it's not technically it's not falling. It's just you go and then you move down mm-hmm. the distance. You go down. Falling is if you get knocked off something or something like that. Right. Okay. Um, and then you can climb down. This is where the risk of the jump versus the climb down to attack because your move may not get you three inches down and then whatever it is to get to your target. So that's why you would do the jump and then hope to not hurt yourself. Because you move the five straight out as opposed to the three down, and then two. Well, here's my other question. So let's say... uh, Oh, so if I decide to climb down, and it's like I don't have enough move to go all the way down, Mm -hmm. that's considered falling, though, if I end my move. Yes. Oh, okay, so that is considered falling, and then that's where they can kind of place me within a certain spot. Mm-hmm. That's not like oh I can move and I can just kind of go over the edge and I won't get all the way to the ground but my drop will be less than three inches so I won't hurt myself because that's that's actually falling. Okay, right. now I understand. It's a little there's a little complicated with some of the falling things with the rules and the wording. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, movement is really cool like that because you can literally just automatically if you have enough distance you can jump from place to place, thing to thing, move up, roll across. Um, really make for some interesting. Plus, with special abilities, it will give you a bonus move. Yeah, or so, bonus to your move. Yeah, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got that extra distance. I can really, I can jump across here, go up this thing, down that thing, uh, get some attacks in. It's there's 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 a whole lot of options behind your your move. Not it's not it's not nearly as basic as it as it seems or as it feels. Yeah, once you get playing and have the objectives uh, that you're dealing with, and then the reserves and interacting with the terrain and all the weird stuff, uh, it makes for a much more interesting game. Mm-hmm. So again, this is one of those that you should be playing. 
um, to really get the feel for it. The more you play it, the more you realize that there are all sorts of like one scenario may not give you many options to do certain things, and then suddenly it's mm-hmm. like, oh wait, now I now I can do. You know, this scenario came as oh I can. There's all sorts of other options. You don't use everything in every game. No. Um, which is why you need to play a lot of games because, like I said, the whole falling thing confused me. I couldn't understand why I would why that would happen. It's like, oh, no, wait, that's not for that part. That's for if I'm doing this part. Right. Um, and then the last part is wait. So you essentially say, I'm going to activate this fighter, and they're going to wait. So they're not going to do anything. They use one AP, and then you can carry on with them later for one AP. So you get you, normally two actions. I can burn one action and then ho- put that guy in a holding pattern and still have that one action for later. With this, I mean, the only time I could see this coming in useful is if that's my last fighter or my last one or two fighters, and you've got a lot more fighters left than me. Even if, like, if I'm playing Stormcast, which is normally about six to seven, depending on how many Aether Wings you take, yep. um, against, like, Gloomspite or something where there's a lot more, I can have, like, my Vanguard Raptor that has, like, a 20-inch shot uh, take a weight action. So this way, you have to move a fighter before I do something else. So it helps even out the disparity in activations. Or if I don't, maybe if I don't have, I don't, maybe I don't have that distance shot. But I know if I move, I can't move and then attack. I won't get close enough. So maybe I wait and hopefully your guy comes up and maybe takes a swing at me. Yep. But then you're close enough where I can use that other action to take a swing back or use an ability or whatever. Correct. See, so many layers. It's got layers like an onion or a parfait. Or an Ogor. Or an Ogor, yeah. Um, all right, so th- those are your actions. So, well, you know, first we rolled for initiative. We played our little d- uh, dice game with the wild dice. We set up our things. And now we've got two actions per per guy uh, to use. Now, where it com- like I said, where this game gets cool is now with the special abilities. Special mm-hmm. abilities are are this is the flavor, this is the spice. Um, now you can use your special abilities before, in between, or after your actions. Your two actions. Um, there are universal abilities, and they'll all say either double or triple or quad. And if there is a required symbol, they'll have one. The universal uh, abilities only have one that has a symbol. And that's the leader symbol. This is only your leader can do it. Um, but even the universal abilities, if you just have any double, plus one movement, uh, or plus one attack character, so an extra die for the attack, until the end of the activation. So if I'm up close with the fighting, I can use a double, and I get plus one, and if I attack twice, I get that extra die on both attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... The triple has one called Respite, and this is actually, you know what? It's the universal abilities that I keep forgetting to look at that are actually right. helpful. Um, if you have a fighter that is not within an inch of any other enemy fighter, you can recover a number of damage points equal to the value of the dice. So that triple, if I have triple ones, that sucks. Any any of your doubles, quads, or triples as a one, it, you know, you, you kind of... 
or like it Ugh. depends on the ability because if it says it's just a double, it doesn't matter what it right, is. Right, but you kind of you never know what you're going to use it for. You know what I'm saying? Like for this one, this triple. I mean, uh, you know, if I roll triple sixes, then I can use this ability to get back six. Yeah, it's the value of the dice, not the total. Right. But I can get back six as opposed to triple twos, and it's like, oh, I can only get back two. Like, you always want to see those higher... Well, you can only do once, can't you? Because if you roll... Even if you roll five sixes. So, you want to... Your ideal roll, you want to see a couple of, you know, doubles or triples and fives and sixes. Because then, if you do need to use these abilities that that work to the value... They have the, the value numbers, yeah. Yeah, they become in really awesome. Because we've been playing where it's like, oh, you add this to your damage, and it's it's the number of your... The value of the ability... So it's like, oh, I can add on one damage. Oh, I can add on five damage. Yeah, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or there's stuff that is just like you roll dice to try to inflict additional damage, and it may be like a double, but if it's a double six and you sneak it through, you might be able just to do six damage to somebody right. just by using an ability. So the value matters uh, with these dice is really the end-all be-all of what we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, and then... And like I said, that okay, we've basically described the whole game to you at this point. Yeah. The other thing with the abilities is you can use anything as whatever you could use for lower. So if you have a triple five, but you want to use a double, you can use that triple five as a double. Right. And you can use a quad as a double or a triple or a quad. But... If you use that triple, it's used. You can't, or if I have a quad, I can't use it for a double and then just slide the two dice over and right, then use it again. The whole thing. It's the whole thing. It's all or nothing. Um, and literally, like I said, we've at this point we've described the whole game to you. Where the flavor starts to come in is who's moving where and when, and how you mingle in with those special abilities. Should we go into, or do you want to do a brief just talk? quickly about it and then maybe we can uh go into depth maybe on a later episode i don't i I think that might be the best way otherwise we're going to be here for two more hours and that's dumb yeah so i think the big thing for a lot of these abilities is they're adding attacks they're adding move or they're letting you do move and attack actions like extra stuff beyond um or you can make other things do stuff better like a lot of the beast master characters can have their beast do extra move actions or do extra attack actions. So this way they're not wasting their AP on movement. They're using it to do like the good stuff, like right. biting stuff. <laughs> so, um, and then there are some things um, where it's like, if you end a move within an inch of a model, you just do that number of damage. Like the Ogor Breacher for the Iron Golem, he's got a living battering ram. So like he just runs in. If he ends his move within an inch of you, you make. You take whatever the value of that number is. Um, that's yeah, that's great. Well, like the on the universal chart, the quad is amazing. The quad is you get an extra, you get a bonus move action, mm-hmm. and after the bonus move action, you can take a bonus attack action. Right. If I'm close enough to get to you on the first move on on one in one move, I I pop that ability before I take any of my actions. I get the move action. I get within an inch. I do the attack action, the bonus attack action. I've still got my two actions left. I could do two more attacks. Mm-hmm. You know? Heck, if you're at a distance, 
I can do that move to get into range of distance. You know that guy who had the six to twenty inches, yep. and you, all your guys are, are nine away or more, or you know, or whatever. Or actually, that would be too far. But what you know, what I'm saying I can move into whatever range I need to move into, and then boom, boom, boom. That one ability is fantastic. Or honestly. You're really far away. I could move, move, pop that ability, get an extra move. Now I'm close enough to you, and I get one attack in anyway. So it's like you can't and, hide. Yeah. You know, it's, there's so many of these abilities for each, uh, you know, that, that you can that suddenly it's adding the wrinkles in the game. Suddenly mm-hmm. this is where each guy gets his flavor, and it's like, oh, you can do that? Oh, wow. And as you mix and match them, you never know how it's going to, I mean, you know, it it adds for it, it adds the cinematic bit. It adds each of these guys is kind of like his own little hero. You know, yeah, even essentially. The, yeah, even sort of the, the, the crummy guys. You know, not everyone's an Aragorn, but you're gonna get still some named characters in there, you know, because these guys are out there and everybody has that potential to do something really, really cool and really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those things like the first game I played, I had I was playing the beast against the iron golem. I had um, my first fangs. So that's the guy with the harpoon. He threw his harpoon across the top of the platforms at the ogre and rolled triple crit out of four attacks. So that was 15 damage. Oof. And then my rock tusk uh, jumped across the platform, landed on this guy's throat for a pounce, did five more damage and then on my one attack, I double critted and did another 10. So <laughs> the thing is, it's like you get those crazy cinematic moments of like, okay, so this guy's going to throw his harpoon. It's going to do a lot of damage to the ogre, stagger him. And then my cat is going to jump across the platform, land on this guy's chest, rip out his throat. And he was carrying an artifact. So the artifact fell down the over the bridge. And then my Beastmaster ran in and picked it up, almost like they planned it. That's great. Yeah, and that's, that's and that those are the that's what makes this game so much fun. Because yeah, it's immediately narrative if yeah. you want to go there. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um Wow, you know what? I I really think I want to just hold off on talking about all the different special ability cards. Um we can do that in a later episode and we'll go into all then we can go into all like 15 of them and have time to literally talk about each one. Yeah, and, what and makes there it special. there will be seventeen when the scions and the spire tyrants come out. Right. So there's a lot going on, even if they only release six factions. Adding those extra cards makes all the difference. It's it it yeah. It's that variety that is gonna that's gonna play with it. Um, why don't we do this? Let's uh, let's take a, our last break. Okay. And then we'll come back and we'll go over, um, and you've done this so you can actually speak to it more than I can, but we'll go and come back and we'll talk about uh, the campaign rules, and then we'll wrap yeah. up from there. I think going into all of these other minutiae of the of each war band, um, it, it's just it's going to take too long. I don't want to I don't want to do that right now today. Yeah, but we can also just talk briefly about like easy ways of entry for like different crews. Oh sure, so yeah, if yeah, if, yeah. If you you know you do you want to do that now then before we take a break? Um, sure. So each one of the warbands for uh, Warcry 
like the specific ones for Warcry, the Chaos ones, they're about a thousand points a box, um, depending on how you build them. The Cypher Lords are cheaper model-wise, so if you want to full flesh out the thousand, you do need to get another box of Cypher Lords. Okay. Um, but the rest flesh out. For the other ones, um, like the non-Chaos ones, so if you're looking at like the Night Haunt, with the exception of the Spirit Host, you get everything you need for that crew in half a box of Tempest of Souls. <laughs> yep. So if you've got a Night Hunt army, if your buddy's got a Stormcast army and you just want to do a Night Hunt warband, then, okay, you split that box, you're golden. Uh, the skele- the Undead, box of Skeletons, box of Graveyard, and a Necromancer, you're done. Uh, the Flesh Eater Quartz, you can do that and start collecting, and you get a Terrorgeist for free, essentially, because you'll get 10 ghouls, which is more than you'll need, and then three of the big guys, and you can only fit about three of the big guys in. So there's that. The Grots uh, for the Gloom Spider are a bit more expensive because you do need uh, some of the Grunts, you need some of the Hoppers, you need some of the Squigs. So the easiest way I've found to do that is Zarbag's Gits from Warband Warhammer Underworlds because you'll get four regular guys, Two squigs, a squig herder, and then you buy a box of Boingrats, or the squig hopper guys, and you're golden. Bone splitters is obviously the easiest one to get into, because it is just a box of the infantry, and you have more than enough to make a warband with tons of options. Um, so that one's easy. Iron Jaws, buy a box of Brutes, and the thing out Iron Skulls Boys from Underworlds. You're golden, because that'll give you five Brutes and four... Ard boys, the Vanguard Raptor kit or the Vanguard Hunters for Stormcast is you do the Far Striders from Underworlds and a box of Raptors because that'll give you three Aether Wings, three Raptors, and then the three Hunters. So there's that. Daughters of Cain is the expensive one um, because you're going to need a box of snakes, a box of canaries, and a box of witch elves. Mm. Um, because they have the most things that they can take. Okay. Um, and then for the Deepkin, you're looking at a box of eels, and then like a box of thralls or a box of reavers, just depending, or both. So like the elf ones are the expensive ones to get into, but everything else is like $100 or under to get in, and you'll have tons of replayability. Yeah, because that box of... Uh... At least the bone splitters. That bo- I mean, that one box right there. That's you're you're in for like what forty fifty bucks. Uh, it's twenty boys, so yeah, about fifty bucks, and then the cost of the cards. So yeah. about sixty <laughs> bucks. You're twenty in. boys. You got more than you could possibly need. Yeah, and then you get to make all the different combinations because they have like a boss with a bow. They have the stabba. You have. Just a grunt. You have the more boy. You have the regular boy. Like you have so many different options with the bone split is that you can just do that in one box, and you have every option you need from one box of guys. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, all right, but that's my spiel on getting in. So we should probably take a break now, and then we'll come back and talk about the campaign stuff. Okay. Doke.
Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back on the war path, talking war cry. Yes, um, yes. So, the biggest section in this book, in the core book, like there's sections for open play, which is great. It, they have triumph and treachery and coalition of deaths. You can do team games or multiplayer, whatever. You have match play. So, if you want to do like a tournament environment, you have that. The biggest section by far in this book is the narrative. Um, and that includes campaigns, which is, I think, the real strength of this game is the narrative and the campaign portion. Um, so essentially how this works is your warband, you buy it as normal. You can buy extra fighters um, to fill up your roster up to 20 guys. Um, but you won't use all 20 of them in a game. You'll only use up to 1,000 as normal, and your leader doesn't change. Um, so the big thing is you pick a quest... And right now there's only the 17, I think, in the book. Uh, one for each warband. No, it so does say here in the book, I read this part, additional yep. quests can be found at warcry.com and in White Dwarf. So there's another reason to buy White Dwarf magazine because they're going to give you additional quests. Correct. Um, so you pick your quest and you start playing a series of games. It doesn't matter who you play against. You can play against the same person six times, and that's what I did today, trying out these campaign rules. Um, Josh from Cool Guys Nation, uh, they have a YouTube channel. Uh, the two of us played six games uh, this afternoon in about five hours. Six games. God, that's crazy. Yeah, doing a Deepkin against Stormcast. What I like about this setup with the campaign is that Everybody, like, you're on your own quest. You have your own reason to be there, and you're doing mm -hmm. your thing. Uh, so, it, like you said, it doesn't matter who you play in the campaign. Uh, I'm just, I'm so used to, we, when we used to run campaigns, was Mighty Empires. Mm -hmm. And everyone was involved in that same campaign, and it mattered who you played against, because everyone was trying to do the same thing, get, you know, X amount of points and, and, and win that area. Whereas here, you're just playing to get your victories in, and there's only basically three points along the way where you have to play an opponent with for a very specific thing because suddenly, um, what are they called? The uh, convergences. The convergences. Because yeah. there's three times during your you got to get like twelve wins, I think. In yes, we get twelve games. Yeah. Um, but you have to win to mark off each of the territories, um, and you can't get past the convergence. Unless you win a convergence game, which is a different type of game. Yes, it's different. Because um, um, those are parts in your those are those are 
epic moments in your character's story arc yes. that they have to complete, which is which is such a great. I just love the concept of that. It's like, yeah, you could play any old random games that you're flipping out, and, and as you're winning, you're moving along. But once you hit this point, something happens in your story where we're actually this 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 particular scenario you have to play out and win, and it's great because it adds that little bit where it's not just oh, I've got a good war band and I can win most of the things I play against. There's a very specific scenario that you need to move your story along. Right. And it doesn't matter if you're on your 11th game and your opponent's on their third, because it's just you're filling your quest. Right. And that's it. Uh, the other thing you could do if you're one of those guys that likes to roam around, you never stay in one place, you move from town to town. Um <laughs> You can do you your got a own. Rosie on your chest. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can do your own campaign if your opponent's okay with it. It's like, look, I'm working on this campaign quest. So, if you want to do that with me and be part of my narrative, you just play with whatever the scenario is from the quest that you're on. You can do that. So they made it so you can literally go anywhere and play anybody, and you can continue your own narrative if you wanted to. So if we set up a campaign, and there's like you and me and, and Brandon and, and and a couple other guys, and we're playing our campaign games, and we meet up and we play some campaign games, uh, maybe I miss a day or I'm going to have to go do something, and I'm over at Lindsay's, and as long as you guys are cool with it, I can just play a campaign game against any rando who walks in the door. Yeah. And just log as long down. as your opponent is okay with, because you may have additional points on them, mm. depending on territories dominated and everything. Okay, so you may have some additional things, but you can still play those games. That's the thing about this narrative, this the campaign section, is that you have that flexibility. Yeah, as long as as long as you, like you said, as long as your opponent's cool with it. Hey, I'm doing a campaign. Would you mind if I run my campaign thing in mm-hmm. our game? Um, and I suppose it would also have to be cool with the people that you're playing a campaign with, but as long as everybody, you know, as long as nobody thinks anybody else is a cheater, who's going to have a problem with it? Yeah. So I mean, it's like anything; it's honor system, yeah. and that's fine. Um, so you play through a couple of random games, and then your convergence—it's specific to your warband. It has specific setup. It has specific deployment terrain and victory conditions, but the twists are always still random. So you have to play through that convergence and win it, um, and then you get additional rewards, like you get additional artifacts or command traits for your general as you go through and try to win your campaign quest. And doesn't the person playing against you as your adversary warband, they get extra roles? They get an extra artifact just for playing that game with you. So even if they don't win, like yeah, so that they get to roll to try to find an artifact. So that that encourages people to to play against you and at least at least help you along on your storyline. Um, yeah, because they get bonuses. That's a cool little feature there. It's like mm-hmm. this guy's really playing hardcore, trying to win this very specific scenario. But if you're willing to be the guy who's going against him, now I, I love reading this in the rule book. Can we just pause here for a second? Because I was sitting oh. there going how. Um, you know, for the aspirant warband, the convergence represents a pivotal moment in their quest. Uh, and then it says to build up drama and tension, it's recommended the player controlling the aspirant warband reads aloud the introductory narrative to the convergence and tell the tale of the campaign quest so far. Um, for the player, player controlling the adversary warband, playing through the convergence not offers only 
not only a chance to earn extra treasure, but let you interact with the world of the eight points as the fighters of warband take a new role, like becoming hired swords or something like that. For some players, they might decide they do not wish to take on the role of adversary warband because it doesn't suit the character of their warband. In such cases, it's fine to ask your opponent to find another player to play through the convergence with and play a standard campaign battle instead. Now, I can see if you don't want... I just love how it's in here. The, first of all, it's like, you should tell your story so far. Get up there and do your little oral uh, oral history of your war band to this point. Um, and even then, if, if, if what you're playing doesn't fit the story, if the war band you're playing with doesn't quite fit that story, you could be like, you know what? I don't fit the story. I don't, I don't know anyone who would necessarily do that i suppose there are people and i I mean i'm i guess it's nice that they put it in there that don't feel like you have to do that um but would you ever be like you know i don't know that my eels really fit this part of the story i'd rather not play it like i just i don't see that happening personally okay so the games that josh and i played today Mm -hmm. my convergence as deepkin is to master the tides of battle and there's like shifting objectives or which one's the primary and that uh-huh. sort of thing. His convergence for the first one was he had to kill my leader because he's got to send the soul back for purposes okay. um, and take out a worthy target. So if I'm order in theory, if the background of his warband is they work with the deepkin, they may not want to do that game. The because why would I kill? the friend of my warband. I guess. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it's like, it's one of those things. So if you're, I mean, as a, of, as a person who likes to do narrative stuff, I can see why you, I just, I, I couldn't see if you came up to me and like, Hey, I got to play a convergence game to move along in the campaign. Would you, would you mind playing with me? Like I person, I would never say no, even if it doesn't fit the story. Cause I mean, that's not going to mess up the game in any way. I mean, it doesn't make necessarily fit the narrative. But that's um, the thing. This is a narrative experience, um, and it should fit it. So it kind of gives you that option to, if you've got to smite a soul, you should probably make sure it's a chaos or death or destruction soul. Okay, I can I can see your point. Maybe I'm wrong. I just on the initial reading of that, I just was like, the initial reading of it does seem like, oh well, then you're just being a prat. But well, I guess that's what it is. It would be like if you needed this to get through the campaign, I, and that's what you wanted to do. I just don't see myself saying, even if it doesn't fit my narrative, I'd be like, okay, it doesn't fit. But I don't want to be the guy who's like, no, no, not today, my friend. Yeah, um, I, that, I don't know. That's just me. Maybe I'm not as narrative a player as I thought I was. But no, it's one of those things that you still want. You want the gaming experience, and then you would say, yeah, sure. Whatever, we can make it adjust. But if the background you've selected for your army is as such, then yeah, I guess maybe I, you I, don't. Okay, I can, I can see that. I guess I can see that. I guess I can see that. Okay, uh, sidetrack over. Let's jump into uh, more of this campaigning. Because after, after you finish a game, there's a whole bunch of things you have to do, which is this is sort of the fun part. I love the cleanup after the round. Yeah. Um, I love that in Mighty Empires. I love it here. Here's where you get all your little bonuses and your changes and your adjustments that make that narrative, that add to that, that storyline. Yeah. So you get a certain amount of glory points for achieving certain conditions throughout the game. If it's winning your game, if it's uh, taking out the enemy leader, keeping um, X percentage of your warband alive, destroying X percentage of your opponent's warband, um, and just even playing the game. 
is really uh, it's like it's that simple. So you can accumulate a certain number of glory points. I think you can you get can, up to ten, right? Yeah, okay. up to ten in a game. Uh, so you can get all those. You can then use those points to dominate territory, uh, which then lets you increase your warband size. Uh, you can spend a number of points to look for an artifact, just like the random neat stuff that are hanging around the airport, the all points. And none of these are like game breaking items. Um, most of them are either consumable or perishable. So it's like a one use or it may not work the next time you try to use it um, in the next fight. So it's just a matter of it's they're nothing amazing. Um, so you get to your you have specific artifacts in your warband that you can get when you complete the artifact of power scenario on your campaign sheet. Um, and then different command traits for your general as you complete that battle. So there's a reason to play through for everything. Um, but it's, you have to play a series of 12 games um, and you have to win three of them at least. But obviously the more glory you get, the more extra stuff you have to make it more possible to win your three games. Oh, so wait, you only, you only have to win the convergence rounds. You have to win those to advance. Oh, so if, so if I start on that first game and I lose it, I still mark it off on my, my thing. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I did not realize that. Yeah, there is a comeback mechanic, essentially, in that regard, is that as long as you win your convergences, you can still win the overall campaign. So. Interesting. Yeah. And I may be wrong on that, but that's how I read it. So you've got all these different things that you get to do. And it's one of those things, like, you can do six games in an afternoon. Um, You know, like, when Josh and I did it, it was six games of Stormcast against Deepkin. So it was like the same thing happening over and over and over again okay. um, with just different conditions. But this encourages you to play with a larger group. So this way you get the most experience, create your own narrative, this and the other thing. Cool. Uh, what else? Oh, if somebody gets killed in the game, like if, if, oh, they, yeah. if they we got to do the wrap up. Um, yeah. So you get to spend your glory um, and then you roll a dice for each model you have left. Um, and on a six, they gain a destiny level. So you have to roll for each individual model. On a six, they get a destiny level, which you can use for rerolls um, and other purposes. Um, and then you roll two dice to see if uh, if a fighter is taken out. You roll two dice to see what actually happens. On a two to three, the model is dead um, and can't use them. On a four to five, I believe, is you lose favor, which is you lose a destiny level. If, if you, you have, have any, one. Yeah. Yep. And then anything above that, your fighter's fine. So it's hard to lose guys permanently. So, but if it's like your leader or like a really important model, then it's a big deal. You can always replace them, but if they, they, if they had any artifacts or any cool things, they lose all of that when they die. Yeah. So. And then there's just lists of, let's see, there's all these lesser artifacts. Um, they have advanced things. You get you, Your leaders get a command trait mm-hmm. when they start. So there's all, the, the, the reason I think that I like the campaign so much better, match play 
looks like it'll be fun. You know, you've got a bunch of things you can do. But the campaign thing becomes fun because it's even adding more. It's doing all the cool things that we used to get to do when we would play Mighty Empires. The getting little extra bonuses here and there. Uh, this this so much reminds me of Mordheim. When at the end of the round yes, you get your yes, gold yes. and then you could buy extra weapons. And then if you rolled, this guy'd get a bonus, that guy'd get a bonus. And suddenly all your guys are gearing up. And it's like, oh, I've got extra gear, I've got extra this, I've got extra that. And so when one of those guys dies, you're like, oh, no. I mean, and honestly, they only die on a two or a three. I mean that, that's that's literally a one in twelve chance of the dice roll to lose your guy, but you could lose your guy, and it's like, oh no, that guy, he had that cool thing, or he was doing well for me, and once again, adding to that whole narrative event, it's it's it, you know it's spending experience in a role playing game. It's it's mm-hmm. it's that's I I love that. I just love it so much. It's the I mean. I would last few times. I didn't go to Gen Con this year, but like the last three years I went, I signed up for Mordheim because it's basically three games of skirmish Warhammer with all sorts of cool bonuses if you if you play it right. Um, and it's so much fun, and I am so excited for this to get uh, a couple of guys together and, and get a campaign rolling for this because you can literally get campaign games in really quick in an evening. Um, and the best part is the board is twenty two by thirty. I was I was uh, saying before I've got you know these little TV trays that you know you, you buy them on the little rack. And there's four of them, and you sit and you know you can pull them out when you want to paint or something like that. Um, the ones I have here are they're like twenty four by fifteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. So literally, Harrison and I were going to play one day, and we did, and I had all my paints and models out on the table. We pulled out the two trays, and the mat, the board fit perfectly on top of it. And then we just had to have something on the side to keep our our cards and our tokens. But literally, you could play this game on two TV trays pushed together. That's all the room you need to play. Yeah, it's so you could play it at the dinner table. It's quick. It's compact. It's it's just really. Good. I can't. I can't say enough about it like I'm, I'm 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 painting up my death army because i'm tired of playing with my stormcast but as i'm painting through this i'm sitting down and looking at all this war cry stuff and seeing what i want to do with it and trying to decide who i really want to sit down and try to play with and get them painted up quick for a campaign because i can do this every weekend grab this take it out play a couple games put it away easy um it's the convenience factor that gives it that little extra oomph in my in my book because of the size of the actual actual table space needed to play the game. Yeah, and the other thing is, it's like if you're doing something, these are fun little one-off projects. So, like, I don't want to paint a Daughters of Cain army. I really don't. No, no. But I would love to paint a Medusa. Aha! Uh-huh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I don't want I don't even necessarily want to play bone splitters, but I do like those models and to buy one box of those 20 boys and paint them up just as a palette cleanser for what I've been playing. Mhm. I've already got so much for the legions and Nagash and stuff. I don't even have to worry about that or the night haunt. That's the other thing. If you're playing these armies, you might already have everything you need. Yeah. And if not, it's like, "Oh, I just got to buy one or two little things and add them in." Um it's 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 really great for that uh like you said, scratching that itch of I don't want to paint that army, but I want to paint that model. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. Like I don't want to play flesh eater courts, 
but I would love to paint me a ghoul or five or six and then some of the big guys. So it's like you get to do fun stuff, try out new techniques that you've not tried out, try out different paint schemes. Like it really gives you the opportunity to challenge yourself. And then like the conversion factor, because everybody is their own individual. You could convert every model in your war band, but you're converting like three to 15 guys yeah. as opposed to every model in a hundred model army. So you have so much room to do whatever you want. Yeah, the creativity factor here is really high if if that's what you're into. Uh, mm-hmm. Then again, if you're not into converting, you don't even have to. There's not even that many. A lot of people complain, you know, when you've got an army of 40 and they've only got like, even if you've got 10 different poses, you know, when you buy the t- box of 20 night haunts, you're going to have two of each, whatever they look like. You know, you're going to have 10, or not, uh, the, not the night haunts, the uh, chain rasps. You know, so when you got 80 on the table, you're going to have a lot of the duplicates. You're not going to have that much of a problem when you're playing this because you might only have three or four or five. You could pick the different ones, and they're all good. Yeah. So if you're not into converting, it's not as big of a deal as if when you're playing on a bigger scale. So. Exactly. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, we can keep gushing about this game, but... And, and we can you... go into a lot more stuff, too. I just... Uh, I don't... This is one of the few times, like when we do book reviews, we read almost every last thing. But here, there's a lot here for you to read that I think it would lose a lot going on on the air like this. It's more you kind of got to jump in and find what you like and then hit that part of the book. Yeah. And realistically, if you've not done a demo of this game, you should. Um, And then, like, it's... Just ridiculous how easy this game is, but it's still complex. And, like, I played six games this afternoon, and I'm not tired. I don't have a headache. Um, and I had to play six unique games, even if it was the same two crews fighting it almost every time. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I would strongly recommend you guys give this a shot. Um, this might be the best thing that they've done all year. And it's only August. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm pretty excited. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. You know what? Time to wrap it up. So here we go, folks, with the wrap-up. Um, once again, want to thank all of our Patreon patrons, um, you guys who make everything possible. We got to say how much we love you because we do. Uh, once again, associate producers Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and AJC. AJC. And our newest patron, Yuri uh, Sichinava. Yuri Sichinava. Thank you all. And every other Patreon patron, past, present, and future, for all that you help do for this show. Um, all right, so I think I mentioned it earlier. So Skaven next uh, next time? Yes, yes. Oh, God, that's going to be a lot of work. It's going to hurt. It's going <laughs> to Yes, it will. But having played against them at least once now, I, I kind of know what they can do. So at least I have a, a I, I, I have a clue as opposed to coming in completely clueless, which is what I tend to do. So, yeah. All right. Um, Alex. Dave. Thanks. Um, I will be talking to you very soon. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably more about Warcry and how I can get in on this campaign. So, yeah. Um, and then just folks, uh, your recommended listening for this episode is in this moment Comanche um, and if, when you get to the chorus you'll understand 
Oh, all right. And folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer. And Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's tga.community. Or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.